1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
0: details. Hi, everybody! Welcome back. It's time again for Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Sutras here. John Sway joins me today. John and Steve Orlando have a new Aftershock book that comes out next Wednesday. It's called The Search for Who. It's a very interesting Chinese crime comic book that I think you will find really interesting if you're a crime comic fan. And uh, we talked to John about it. Uh, some other plans coming up for a new uh, Vault comic. Previous Vault books as well. And uh, John's feelings on Asian portrayals in mass media. Uh, Certainly with the Shang-Chi movie opening up uh, this weekend, uh, it's a good time to talk about that. And John points out some other things that have been going on in uh, pop culture as far as Asian portrayals goes. And uh, it's a really fun, interesting conversation. John Sway on today's Word Balloon. This portion of Word Balloon is brought to you by... Aftershock Comics. Aftershock has some pretty cool stuff coming in the fall. First of all, in November, there's a really neat book coming up, and that's The Heathens. Uh, You're going to see a kind of great uh, group of uh, some of the most dangerous villains from history. People like Bumpy Johnson and Lucky Luciano and Sophia the Golden Hand and Billy the Kid, to name a few. Uh, This is going to be a great team-up book. It's Cullen Bunn and Heath Amadillo. Uh, Also uh, illustrated by uh, Sammy Cavella. Also coming up in September from Aftershock, we have two new series from some of my uh, favorite writers and artists. Almost American from Ron Mars and Marco Costello. They come from Russia with Love and Secrets, a great new spy story. Almost American. And The Search for Who, co-written by John uh, Tsue and uh, Steve Orlando. John, I hope I'm saying your name right. Artist uh, Rubin. Nice Asian Crime Story, Search for Who coming in September from Aftershock Comics. Go to their website and find out more information about some of the great titles from Aftershock. You'll find full story descriptions, preview pages of art, and the diamond codes on how to order these books through your local shop at AftershockComics.com This episode of Word Balloon is brought to you by AlexRossArt.com Alex is a good friend. He's one of the preeminent comic book artists in the business. Beautiful paintings that are unlike anything else. I mean, paperback cover quality work. You know Alex's fantastic work on things like Marvel and DC, but also uh, great uh, film work on the Beatles and David Bowie and Monty Python and the Monkees. Uh, so much great stuff that is waiting for you in original art, lithographs, or prints. If you go to the website, alexrossart.com.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by my patrons at Patreon, the League of Word Balloon Listeners. Thank you, League, for your great support, backing me, and uh, enjoying Word Balloon and showing it through your subscriptions from Patreon. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. If you uh, can afford a dollar a month or something along those lines, the support is greatly appreciated. Thank you, as always, League of Word Balloon Listeners. Welcome back, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon Live. The Comic Book Conversation Show. John Sutras here. I'm happy to welcome John Sway to uh, Word Balloon. Good to see you, John.
1: Hey, good to see you too, John.
0: Well, congratulations. I'm very excited. Uh, new Aftershock book coming out uh, next Wednesday, the 8th, and that is The Search for Who. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, pretty cool, man. I, I You were kind enough to send me an advanced issue, and uh, I s- truly, yeah, everyone knows Aftershock, one of my sponsors... But honestly, uh, loved it. Love this first issue. Very excited to follow this story.
1: Awesome. I'm glad that you liked it. Um, it's uh, it's been a ton of fun to write. Um, and the creative team, uh, you know, co-writing this, uh, co-created it with Steve Orlando, uh, which I'm sure many of your listeners know. Um, and on art, we got Rubin, um and uh, Colorist DC Alonso. So it's a it's a quite a great team that we got together, and it's um, it's a lot of
0: fun working on this. So tell me how the concept uh, was created.
1: Yeah, um, Steve just kind of messaged me out of the blue one day and was like, hey, I got this crazy idea about merging um, Jewish culture and Chinese culture together. And, um, you know, at first, like, it was – it was kind of all like laughs. I mean, I know he was serious about doing something together, but it was, I think it started more as, um, more like an, uh, a nod to the whole black exploitation era and that type of stuff, you know? So, um, the vibe initially was very different. And then we started to do some research and found that, um, there in fact are ties between the Jewish culture um, and Chinese culture, specifically Jewish people, um, refugees who were um, escaping the Russian revolution and ended yes. up in China and they ended up in China, you know, and which is, which is crazy to me. I've never heard of that before. And, yeah. was, and so we started diving in there. was like, Whoa, we're like, this is a real thing. You know, It's like you happened on something that that actually happened. Um, so as we kind of started to do more of the deep diving into the research, we started to kind of see uh, bits of the story there and just kind of how, um, the main character Aaron sees is American Chinese American is actually unaware of his um, his Jewish heritage, um, so we kind of ran with that, and you know it was just um, yeah we just we just ran with it and and came up with this kind of like revenge tale um, you know wrapped up in a lot of like action thriller tropes, but um, it's fun, it's fast paced, it's uh, you know explores a bit about the the connections between Chinese and Jewish people, um, uh, but it's just a Fun, like kind of high octane action, action story.
0: We start off uh, in a war setting and that kind of explains Aaron's, uh, you know, to put it in, uh, um, God, now I'm blanking. I was going to be clever and uh, point out uh, that stupid f- movie with um, Qui-Gon, uh, the, the Star Wars Jedi, um, uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those stupid movies of his, his special skills. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm an idiot. The Taken series. T- 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 But yeah, he's uh, so Aaron. Aaron is in. uh, I'm assuming is that Afghanistan. What what war is he serving in?
1: Yeah, we kind of picture since the story uh, is taking place in modern day, so we figured that he was actually in Afghanistan at some point.
0: Yeah. Okay, and he and his best friend MK, which by the way, I love that these are these are two friends. MK is a woman. Uh, They they are soldiers together. Um, He comes home, finds out about his insane past. And, I mean, his parents running, and I can relate to this because my dad had a bar and grill, and, uh, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, somebody you – Yeah, know, I mean, is that too much? Should I stop? I don't want to spoil.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, it's, it's pretty much right in the, the beginning of the book, so <laughs> go for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, no, the parents get gunned down in, in like, what yeah. looks like a gangland shooting, and it turns out to be this um, family grudge that, that goes back to China and the mother's yeah. life in China, and – uh, you know, Aaron's not going to stand for it. They're both like, you know, Dad's mortally wounded, Mom yeah. survives, but obviously trauma and how yeah. many more attacks are coming? So Aaron decides to take matters in his own hands, and we got a great, exciting beginning to this cool action adventure. That uh, you know, I mean, Chinese mob. Now I know Yakuza is Japanese, so what yeah. is the, is is there a term for the Chinese mob other uh, than the Chinese mob? <laughs> Um, I think the most well known would probably be
1: triad, but those are very oh, specific. Sure. Yeah, that's very specific to uh, to Hong Kong and some of the organizations there was considered triad. So Understood. I guess I guess this um, I would classify them more just as, as a crime family, you know?
0: Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and first. it's great, man. And so beyond the story, is it like twenty five pages your first chapter? It's definitely that's more a than twenty question. pages.
1: I think, it's, uh, I think we're on 24 pages for, okay. the, for the first one. Yeah, so okay. we went a little bit over. Yeah.
0: But also, I love the back matter because you really get inside Aaron's head. And yeah. you're introduced to a lot of characters. Uh, you know, we will see Aaron in the first issue, go to China, have his first encounters and stuff. But I, I do kind of love the choice of giving us an opportunity to really know these characters through Aaron's eyes.
1: Yeah, I we created a pretty in-depth backstory that I don't think we will get to explore all of it. I um, Actually I built a timeline going all the way back from the first uh, his Jewish ancestors when they first arrived into China. So I actually have this whole timeline of when everybody was born and you know what was going on in China at the time because yeah. um, you know it, it happens um, I guess it would be late 19th century. And then, you know, ultimately, they're there all the way through World War II, you know, which would be Japanese invasion in China. So I got, I had all these things kind of mapped out. Um, I I kind of went overboard on that. but It was fun. So we have, we actually have backstories for all these characters, uh, uh, in-depth family tree of the family. Um, So in order to kind of get some of that in there, because we wouldn't, weren't, or aren't
0: able to explore all of it. Uh, we did some back matter to kind of give people a little little bit of history. I, I think it's a great idea, man. I, I really do. And I thought, again, it just uh, really helped contextualize the story that much more. And um, no, it's, I, I think the action is great. Your artist's name again, forgive me. Uh, it goes by Rubin. Yeah. Beautiful stuff, man. Now, oh, did he, did he, did he do this? Uh, I mean, this is the red, you know, kind of yeah. uh, first page. But it's also uh one uh, one of the covers. It's the main yeah. cover, I assume.
1: Yeah, that's that's all him. Um with I believe the colours are done by DC Lonsville on the covers. Oh, okay. um but yeah, Ruben um Rubin was our top choice when we were gonna you know, once we got the green light at Aftershock, we were on the hunt for um, you know, an artist. And um, when we were looking through uh, different art samples, uh Rubin jumped out at me right away. I was like whoa, I was like, this. His work looks unlike anything that we're seeing in, um, at least in the Western comics, right? We're, we're his style, um, especially if we, if you, if readers ever get a chance to see his black and white work. Um, there's cool. a, there's a, there's a great charm to his work, um, and it's, it's fluid. His storytelling is great. Um, so working with him is is, a, is been a joy for sure.
0: That's great, man. And no, I love being introduced to international artists this way and then yeah. following them to their own work that, you know, uh, either by themselves or other collaborators and stuff. So, I mean, Eduardo Russo immediately comes to mind. I mean, it's just yeah. been a you know a joy kind of reading his stuff beyond yeah, what he puts out in America and stuff. That's great. And again, really exciting story. I think um, clear, clear uh, defined roles for these these characters. MK, again, is kind of uh, Aaron's wingman. But uh, again, as opposed to just uh, another guy or whatever, it's it's cool that you know she's she's there. Well, now is she she's Korean, correct? She's Korean. Yeah, yeah. She's
1: okay. Korean. Um, and so in the first issue, Aaron actually meets up with her in Seoul, Korea, and then they uh, take a ferry over to China. Which uh, the ferry actually exists. It's a very long trip. <laughs> we kind of really breeze through it really quickly, but I believe it's it's something like a fifteen hour fairy riders. wow and like that. And so it's a it's, it's, it's a long trip but um yeah mk um i like writing mk a lot you know she's she kind of gets to be that person that keeps Aaron on the straight and narrow like reminding him why he's there and as he starts to stray um and maybe fall into deep with uh with this crime family you know she's always there to remind him like hey you know you came here not to become a gangster you came here to get revenge
0: right well and and mom wants nothing but peace and obviously is yep. worried about her kid and um no i think i think it's I, it's very truly educational in <laughs> terms of all of that and then also even the idea that you know they start in uh korea and then and then go over to china on the ferry and everything yeah uh, so uh all right quentin J- january saying hey very cool excellent and I love that we got a comment already from Brazil. That's wonderful to see. Okay. Um, hey, man! No, truly. And this is and and again, everybody knows. AfterShock, one of my sponsors. But one of the reasons why I'm really happy about AfterShock is this is the kind of book that they do well. They do supernatural well. They do crime very well. You know, he had Steve obviously himself. He's done a few superhero things over there as well. But um, I'm always excited about a good crime book. And great start, man. Truly, I'm very yeah. excited for this book. And six issues are five. Uh, we're doing five.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. You know, we're, we're actually all done on the writing side. Um, so it's just, uh, it's up to our team now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. A lot of fun. And I, Beautiful. I, hope, I really hope that readers enjoy it too, because it's, it's been so much fun to write. Um, and it really is an opportunity, I think for, because most of the stick lists in China, you know, it, it's an opportunity for me to kind of uh, explore my own heritage and kind of talk about that. You know, because actually, where the story takes place uh, is Dalian, China, and that's actually where my mom's side of the family is from. Wow! Um, so they they originated there, um, and Dalian has a very interesting history itself. Is that at one point it was leased to Russia as a port city? So um, the name Dalian is actually a a rough transliteration transliteration of a Russian word. Um, wow. So they actually have this whole Russian quarter that we show very briefly in the story, Um, but they have Russian houses there. They have, um, and it's funny because my grandfather, um, growing up, he ate Russian food. So even as an adult, he had a taste for things like borscht and all this kind of stuff, you know, Uh, which was, I didn't understand it until I dug into the history. Right. Because I'm just like, how how is he even aware? Right. I I understand that Dalian is not far from Russia, but I didn't understand that there was such a mixed culture. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was funny when I really dug into it. I was like, no, now I understand, you know, like digging into the history of the place helped me kind of even understand my family a little bit better. Right. Um, So it's it's been a fun exploration of of heritage, but at the same time, explanation of, of of story. No, so
0: it's good. Great, I get it, man, and truly, I mean, I was telling you before we started recording that, um, you know, my family, my family is Greek American, and uh, my grandfather came over in the eighteen nineties, and um, it's it's great to see the immigrant experience in your story from a completely different perspective in terms of yeah. fleeing Russia and going to China. And yeah. that's uh, and I I don't know how much of it as you say you're telling a modern story, but obviously this is an old family grudge. So I don't know how far back you're going to go in terms of mixing the uh, the Russian and the Chinese uh, culture.
1: Yeah, we kind of we we explore it a little bit. Um, there, there's obviously going to be uh, some confrontations between the sides of the families that are fighting, and then there we kind of go uh, more in depth about what caused this break in the family um, and. Um, so we do get some exploration of the Russian side, along with the Chinese side. Um, you know, if we were to ever do a follow up to this series, uh, you know, Steve really wants to kind of explore the, the Russian Jewish side a little bit more, which I think would be awesome, you know. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this one does. And then, you know, maybe in the future, we get to dive in a little bit deeper and, and tell the, the other side of the story, too.
0: And and really, I, I don't know what the situation currently is in China in terms of, uh, what kind of mob influence there might still be, but I know again um, with my dad and my grandparents and stuff coming to Chicago, and I mean there was just this way that immigrants got things done, and a lot of it was under the table. And yeah. I mean that's that's putting it in some ways nicely, but also to the extreme of violence and everything that you're exploring in your story. And I yeah. I think that's great because it it, it puts a new spin on a familiar trope. I mean, we've, you know, again, people like us, we've grown up, we watch the Godfather movies. We see that kind of immigrant experience from the Italian American perspective, but this is great to get the Russo China kind of perspective and that kind of immigrant story. I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah. um, I actually, I grew up in, my earliest years were spent in Chinatown in San Francisco during the 80s when actually the gangs were still around um, before they all kind of vanished. And my parents had a restaurant there Um, and there, some of our regular customers were actually gang members, you know, so, um, and it it was very interesting because they were actually quite kind to my family. Um, there were times when, when the, uh, territory battles between them got really bad. Um, and, you know, other gangs were kind of invading, um, the the territory and, and just, and robbing, um, business owners at, at like after after hours right because a lot of business owners were leaving the businesses with with bulks of cash right sure so, absolutely yeah so what ended up happening was that the the gangsters that were regular customers whereas they um they were meeting my mom at night and you know, one of the bosses, he was there with with a bunch of his guys, and you know, all of his guys were all all strapped and carrying. You didn't see it, but they were wow. they were ready just in case. You know, wow. they were making sure they would walk into her car, make sure that she gets home, you know, and leave safely. You know, so the the kind of gang uh, culture and that gang vibe is not something that I'm unfamiliar with. You know, even when the gangs were kind of shut down in um, in San Francisco that kind of culture still persisted with young Chinese Americans like myself and just Asian Americans in general. I felt like that grew up around the era that I grew up in. There was this kind of, a, it was a territorial, you know, you didn't go to parts of the city that you weren't familiar with alone um, because you'd just be asking for trouble if you did. Um, you know, you always kind of, you always made sure you met up with your friends before you went anywhere, you know, and there was just kind of this mentality of like you protect yourself, protect your own. Um, and that's kind of what I grew up with, you know, so putting that kind of that vibe and that culture into the book was just kind of like just drawing from <laughs> what I experienced growing up, you know?
0: Absolutely, man. No, that's, that's, again, sadly, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. And you'll forgive me about, you know, throwing in my family story and everything. But my, my grandmother on my mom's side, she became a widow very young and mm-hmm. she was in a big, uh, gangster neighborhood and, yeah. uh, they all looked out for her. Yeah. She was local merchant. Like you said, she had three kids, and they protected her. And, I mean, in fact, we there was a giant, like, almost conference table in, in the kitchen area. It was like a bodega. She made sandwiches, but mostly, you know, dry goods, cereal, you know, groceries and stuff. And we were not allowed to put any supplies on the conference table. And my older cousin asked her and said, you know, Grandma, what's the deal with the table? She's like, well, when the boys need to have a meeting, they 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 come back here because they know it's safe. And we're like, you're kidding. And she's like, oh, no, no. And then we were watching um, uh, a crime story about um, Tony Accardo, the big, uh, one of the big uh, mob bosses of Chicago. And she's yeah. like, you know, I remember when Tony was a kid and he was breaking into somebody's car <laughs> right on the street. And I'm like, Tony Accardo, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, it's okay, and Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, those those are grandma's stories. What are you going to do, man? So yeah. no, i and again, this is you know this is stuff in the '30s and the '40s that she was telling us back in the '90s. And we're like, "What?" So I it. Yeah, that's right. hilarious. No, yeah, but, again, but that's what's awesome, man. You're really in at least from American perspective, I think, uncovered territory where again, taking these tropes and, and making them new.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I think for for like my mom, you know, your grandmother, growing up in a time where this this stuff was just a part of life. Right. right it wasn't it wasn't that they were bad people or anything they they it just existed around them and you had to survive you know my family was one of the lucky ones where we we actually got looked out for right a lot of people are unfortunate and it didn't have that you know yeah. we we're, yeah. were targets you know so yes. i count myself as very lucky that that we were looked out for you know and um but it was just a part of life you know and yes. and yeah i feel like uh, where we are in society now you know obviously that it still exists but it's not i don't think you see that co-mingling as much as as we did before right Agreed. Like it's more hidden than than it used to be you know i, I felt like uh, at least when i grew up in the 80s it was quite brazen you know it's in china South, you would you would walk by a place and a gang's uh like their headquarters I mean, the name of the gang is just is painted on this side of the wall. Like, like tagged really or, yeah, I mean, it's like, 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 you know, it was like a mural, actually. It was like, okay. got sure. got like a professional to come in or they will have signs made and they would just say straight up, like, who they are, what this place is, you know, yep. and it w- there was no hiding it, you know, yes. um, and everybody knew it was there. So um, I think bringing that kind of stuff to the forefront and kind of trying to weave it into our modern-day culture, um is I think it was an interesting challenge, and it was actually a lot of fun. You
0: know, I understand, man. Well, I, again, I think you're off to a great start. People Thank can you. pick it, pick up that first issue uh, next Wednesday, the eighth. And uh, here's some other alternate covers that I love. So, is that David Mack? Yes, that's David Mack. You can tell from the uh, the lettering, I think, he, but of course yeah. the art as well. So, yeah. so that's cool, and I and I'm glad that uh, you guys got uh, David to help out and everything. Who's this cover?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I actually that's my first song seeing. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know who the artist is on that one. It's, it looks great though. It looks it is. great. Amazing.
0: And here's another great one. Is that Dave uh, Johnson or? That's
1: Dave Johnson. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. That's terrific. You know, as sometimes you can tell from the design. So yeah, these are covers, but I promise you the interiors are great as well. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I don't have the opportunity to show pages, uh, but I thought the covers were were excellent. Um I also – I'm really curious about um, – and forgive me because I, I wasn't aware of some of your other uh, books yeah. like uh, Sarah and the Royal Stars. This is a cool little yeah. fantasy story that you put out uh, a year and a half ago or so?
1: Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Published by Vault. Um, there's two volumes of it. So if you're um, – yeah, if people want to check it out, it's two trade books out there. Um, it, it ran for a total of ten issues. Cool. Um, yeah, and it's just um, – fantasy stories inspired by Persian mythology um so it's a uh, yeah an artist on that was Audrey Mock colorist is Raul Angulo and uh, letter by Jim Campbell um great team that I work with a lot of fun telling that story that one is quite different than some than you'll see in search for who because I, I wanted Sarah in the World Stars to really feel like um like you're reading mythology as opposed to just a traditional comic. So um, the pacing of it, I feel like it's very different than what you would see in most comics that are out in in the, at least in the West. Um, but I had a ton of fun doing it. Um, it's about Sarah. She's the princess of a, of a nation called Parsa. They're going through an extreme drought um, and they find out the reason why it's happening is because the four Royal stars are actually bound um, they're unable to return um, to the rightful place in in the in the sky. Um, so her quest is to free um, these four stars, um, the spirits of these stars, and um, ultimately defeat uh, the people who are uh, who put this spell on them. Um, so she kind of ventures all around this uh, different fantastical places. She goes to the underworld. She goes, you know, all throughout. Um, was inspired by Persia, so a lot of uh, areas that are near Persia. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's it was, that was a really fun story to tell
0: too.
1: Um, I really like that one. Um, I hope people like it too if they if they check it out.
0: That's awesome. You know, I just talked to Henry Barajas, and uh, yeah. he mixed um, uh kind of Dungeons and Dragons kind of storytelling with uh, Aztec mythology. Oh, and awesome. and so no, again, I mean that's that is the great thing. And I say this again as someone from you know. Who, love not only Greek mythology, but Norse mythology, you know, there's an entire world of like incredibly untapped mythology that I think a lot of modern writers can really tell some interesting stories with. So why not? And, yeah, uh, and you know, it's just more variety.
1: Yeah. Um, I I do like that, that we as storytellers are getting the opportunity to explore more now, you know, that, um, you know, publishers like Vault are willing to Take a risk, right? Because it is risky to, to do something that is completely sure. unfamiliar, right? You know, yeah, pretty narrow, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, I'm I'm thankful that that we're at a place now where we get to see so many different types of stories that are inspired by so many different cultures around the world. Um, it's great, you know, you really allow people a chance, to, like you said, to tap into something that is new to us um but also you know you get to tell these stories from a perspective that maybe we're not used to seeing or hearing you know um yeah. so it's been great yeah
0: no it's a great definitely. time yeah i completely agree and i'm really glad that um a lot of the smart comic publishers are counter programming rather than you know they just really seemed especially in the 90s that and we still had, we had exceptions to this but there was a lot of inclination of, well, this is my superhero story. And I can appreciate right. that. And someone still may ha- have something different to say within the superhero genre. But it's like, thank God. I mean, truly. the la- I mean, that's what brought me back to comics, you know, 20 plus years ago in the very late 90s when I'm like, wow, look at all these genres that are getting respect and, and are being, you know, served well by good storytellers. And it's a great new variety that, you know, it was tough to find the exceptions to superhero stuff when I was growing up. But now it's like, no, it's, uh, I mean, it it truly is. I agree with everyone else where it's, it's a, it's a new golden age. And I do think there's, there's good opportunity there. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I'm thankful for the guys who kind of came after that image era, you know, really pushed the boundaries in comics, you know, um, guys like Bendis, you know, Brubaker, Baker. Um, who were telling these stories that you know we hadn't seen um, crime comics in quite a while, like really take as a major uh, stance in in comics for a long time. I and mean, crime used to be a huge deal in comics, right? And then it's absolutely, kinda, superheroes kind of eventually crushed everything right. <laughs> and, yeah. and everything just kind of went to the wayside. But you know, guys like like uh, Brubaker and Bendis and and um, from that era, of Image Comics, I feel like, really pushed the envelope and allowed for new stories, different stories, different genres to exist in the space. And, you know, where we are now, you know, it's it's an evolution of that, but I, I think they really kicked down some doors for us um, to be able to tell these, these other stories.
0: Obviously, John, you were pushing from the creative side to be able to tell your stories. Um, it, do you think it was a combination of readership and creatives... Uh, widening uh, you know, opportunities where they are today. I mean, because, you know, again, I, start, I started I War Balloon in 05 and remember when we could count on one hand um, the female writers that were, yeah. you know, very active at that point. It's gotten better. Uh, it seems like, uh, and I mean, of course, there's always been, you know, from Japan, manga, and even yeah. Chinese and Korean comics for, as well, but it does seem like there is a new awareness or at least an opportunity uh, or, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, that there is a bigger opportunity now for more voices to to step up. And do you think it was just a combination? What do you think has been happening?
1: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think you definitely get some publishers who um, are pushing against the trends, right? People like Aftershock, people like Vault, yeah. um, and obviously Image um, has opened the doors for people that from different, Cultural backgrounds, where or even um, you know different marginalized groups or sure, yes. identities to really express these ideas. Yes, um, and I think the readership has has also grown. Um, you know, even with uh, with like the prevalence of things like web comics, you know, and just um, things like webtoons and tapas, right. Um, and those those came from South Korea, right? Where That's right. It's, yes, it's sir. A trend, it's the trend to read on your cell phone. You know, it yep. made it very easy access. You know, yep. so um, it made sense that um, it caught on in the West. That we start to see more web comics that that people who were didn't even know physical comic book stores existed could find their story fixes online. Right, and now there's a whole platforms for that. Um, so I think it's definitely opening the the doors, and the book market has embraced um, graphic novels. You know, so I mean, and we see that in the sales figures, right? I mean, yep. The the monthly print comics don't do nearly as much as the stuff being published by traditional uh, book publishers. You're you right. Know? So um, I think the the audience has grown, um, and the the creators have. It's opened up for for new creators, people with a different perspective. So I think it's a combination of all those things coming together um, at a great time. You know, it's a great time to be a creator. It's a great
0: time to be a a,
1: a reader of comics because there's so much to choose from now. You yeah,
0: know, it, yes, yeah. it's never been more crowded on the virtual yeah. shelf when you include web comics and 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 things like that, and and like you uh-huh. said, so, webtoons and tapas and and also these other platforms like Panel Syndicate where. Marcus yep. Martine and Brubaker have been doing stuff, and yeah. uh, others as well. Alex DeCampi, I know, is a is a uh, panel syndicate uh, creator. Have you thought about uh, the webtoons, Tapas, other uh, beyond the direct market publishing for your for your stories?
1: Yeah, I have thought about it. Um Sarah and the Royal Stars actually did end up on Tapas. Uh, Vault had a deal with Tapas where they took a lot of their titles and put it on on their platform. Um, And it was really interesting looking at – because it's a vertical scroll. I was going to ask.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, because the panel sequence – Changes yeah. when you're scrolling rather than reading a page. So yeah,
1: sure. So, so you can definitely tell that Sarah wasn't made for the vertical scroll platform. Um, so it's it's at times it's a little bit of a rough transition. Um, but it was really interesting because I feel like the audience is just a very different audience from from people who are into like direct market books. Sure. You know. Um, so I definitely have thought about it. Um, I think it's something that I would explore in the future. Um, you know, but I'm also like a very loyal person. So like Vault taking a chance on me, Aftershock taking a chance on me, I kind of feel a, a sense of loyalty to them too, where, you know, they're they're willing to give me a platform to tell these stories. You know, I kind of want to uh, make sure that I shoot them my pitches and all that too, you know, just kind of like, yeah. you know, uh, they they invested in me and I'm invested in them too, you know.
0: That's awesome. In your, uh, in your bio for Search for Who, uh, you mentioned that you did some work at Bitch Planet and Ed wanted to know about uh, the Bitch Planet project from your perspective and any possible future plans in uh, Delandro and Kelly Sue's uh, Bitch Planet world.
1: Yeah, uh, it was very cool because uh, it was it was Val um, approached me. I, I forgot which convention we're at, but he asked me if I would be interested. Uh, I, and I know Val and, and Kelly Sue um, because I had a had a i have an image called one love kills so we had
0: uh, i'm gonna get to that so yes i'm glad you mentioned yeah. it absolutely man. so
1: we were at the same uh, image expo is where oh. we met um and yeah they just kind of approached me asked me if i'd be interested of course you know i was interested and in, you know is they basically just gave me free reign to tell whatever story i wanted um and at the time um of my writing i would i had been talking to a lot of my friends who are um actors of asian descent and they were kind of telling me stories about some of the the difficulty that they have landing gigs and some of the the bad stereotypes get thrown on them and just like the things that they were asked to do as as asian people um, playing these roles um, were typically to to embody stereotypes you know and um the kind of like anger that they had around that but at the same time you know it's a job that puts food on the table right it's this really rock and hard place for them you know totally um so that's kind of what the story was centered around was i was really inspired by my friends i just kind of wanted to to um approach it and, and tackle it head-on but also do it in a way that is true to the bitch planet forum of like you know this kind of satire but have a it's almost like an angry satire, you know. That, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, the, the vibe of, of Bitch Planet. So um, I wanted to to kind of go in there and just you know tell a little bit about uh, the struggles that you know Asian people do face. Um, and I thought it was a great platform for that. And they and Kelly Sue um, and Val were very encouraging. Like, yeah. Go for it, do that, you know. So it was it was a great experience. Definitely. I don't know that I would do anything again in the future because I don't know if they have plans for it. I mean it's, it's Kelly Sue and and Val's uh Val's Lane. Uh but if they were to ever ask me um again, I'd be more than happy to jump back in there.
0: I love them both. They're they're amazing yeah. people and doesn't surprise me, uh knowing Kel like I do, that you know, she's like, Yeah, go, go, go. I mean yeah, that's yeah. that's just like a hallmark of all her stuff. And man, I'm so, I always say this, I, I felt so bad because for years, I, I, Val's one of the warmest guys I've ever met in comics yeah. and such a decent, good guy and beautiful art. And he was doing X-Men books. And I I, I don't know, man, I just can't help it. I'm not a big X-Men guy. And I, you know, I mean, I'd have him on, but I'd be like, oh, Val, please. I'm like, you know, I, the day will come, Val, where you're not doing an X-Men book. And I can even gush more about how much I love your stuff. And lo and behold, bitch planet happens. And I'm like, ah, oh. so, so thank God. Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, Ed wanted to know, I guess your story's uh, title was Mirror, Mirror. And he wondered if you're a Star Trek fan. Dangerous Star um, Trek, uh John.
1: <laughs> I do like Star Trek. I'm not very well versed in it. But um, <laughs> but Jean-Luc Picard is, I I absolutely love Patrick Stewart and especially oh, yeah. the role of Picard. Um, I actually did it pick. Mirror Mirror was, I, I wasn't, I'm not great at titles. <laughs> so it was just one of those that I just kind of threw out there, like maybe Mirror Mirror, you know? Um And I threw a bunch of different ones, and that was the one that kind of stuck. Um So it wasn't a direct nod to Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, excuse me. No problem.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah, now that you mention it, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I should have saw that one. But it, yeah, it was it wasn't a direct nod. Yeah. Unintentional.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And now before we get to your image book, while we're on the subject, as you say, you're friends with a bunch of Asian actors and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate it in your Twitter feed. Uh, if it was today or earlier uh, last week or whenever you posted this great like six-minute uh, BBC uh, television uh, short that really talked about how Asian culture is portrayed in uh, a lot of dystopian sci-fi future films, from yeah. Blade Runner to Cloud Atlas and the like. So, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you made me aware of that because it was really interesting to watch. And if, yeah, if if you got a minute to expand on that, I'd be interested to hear what you think.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's interesting if you look at Hollywood films um, and even television, right, that incorporates um, any kind of Asian culture in it. Typically, it has to do with a lot of the aesthetics of Asian cultures, Um, sometimes the food. But very rarely do you ever see Asian people um, in these stories, right? It's it's almost as it feels like it's set dressing. That it's to, in order to make this world seem a little bit more interesting, it's like, oh, you know, they've got video geishas in the background, right? Or in in the case of something like Firefly, right, where like the characters will will curse at people in Mandarin in their very broken. Chinese, right? Um, yeah. But you don't actually see Asian people with any speaking lines in Firefly. You don't see them with any speak, uh, maybe a few very small speaking lines in Blade Run. Yeah. That's about it, right? Um, so that's always kind of been an, an issue. Um, and it's something that I've actually thought about quite a bit. And um, it actually turned into a pitch for a comic that's going to be coming out through Vault um, called Fox. Fox and Hare, which is a cyberpunk story, um, but it re- kind of reframe, it embraces all of the Asian aesthetics and that kind of world building that they use, but it puts Asian characters at the forefront. Um, and I I thought about it and it's like, was it enough to just put Asian characters in the forefront? Um, it's, I felt like I needed to also put themes that affect Asian people as well. So one of the, the backdrops for Fox and Hare is that it's a city that is actually controlled by foreign powers as, as um, a, a result of colonialism. You know, so it kind of deals with the colonialist aspect. And, um, you know, it's kind of my way of pushing back against what we've seen in cyberpunk, in sci-fi, these kind of dystopian worlds. Um, you know, I'm writing it and Stacy Lee is, is drawing it. Stacy Lee from... Marvel's, uh, silk. Um, so that was, that was purposeful too, was to find a a co-creator that is also Asian and allow us to kind of, uh, take back a little bit, right. That's, um, and, and tell our side of the story essentially. Um, so yeah, I mean definitely check out my Twitter feed and, you know, check out the video. It explains, it does a much better job of explaining it than I did. Um, but you know, it's (laughs) that knowing that, um, you could kind of understand where I'm coming from when it comes to Fox and hair, when that releases uh, in November. this
0: year. Wonderful, man. Well, you'll have to come back when, uh, when oh, that's yeah, ready yeah. to drop, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, to. definitely, man. So, you know, we're a couple of days away from uh Shang-Chi opening again. And yeah. you know, yeah. Shang-Chi, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, like, I, like we were saying off the air, I think we'll, we'll know for sure when, when the yeah. movie comes out, we'll know the correct pronunciation. Right. So, but that said, i i will I will confess, especially growing up during uh the seventies kung Fu film era and yeah. and black exploitation and all of that i've I was a massive Shang chi fan from day one yeah. um i I didn't know because all my only reference at the time were and then again, forgive me, but I was a viewer and I was a reader back then. so when it came to Fu Manchu, all I knew were the Christopher Lee movies and the uh, and the depiction from the marvel writers and stuff and yeah. you know didn't realize and it's so crazy no lie a month ago I'm sitting down with Jim Starlin one of the co-creators of Shang-Chi and uh, I'm like you know Fu Manchu and he's like what racist shit and I'm like yeah I guess so and I and I learned having read a couple of the Sax Rohmer's and stuff yeah incredibly racist shit but like so so again I mean on the one hand there's there's some really interesting cool pro-Asian portrayals in the original run of Shang-Chi, but then also yeah. there's a lot of uh, not only terrible yellow face stuff, but I mean, black Jack tar is always calling him Chinaman and stuff. And yeah. you know, just, you know, so yeah, there's rude shit going on along with the positive shit. It seems.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think growing up kind of seeing that stuff, you know, um, I've, when I was young, I wasn't really aware of the negative portrayals until I got, you know, became probably closer to uh, teenage years and things like that. But what I grew up with um, was like Jackie Chan movies and Jet Li and things like that. Um, so I always saw thing um, like these kung fu action heroes, something positive, right? Yeah. And and then when I started to kind of dive into things like Shang-Chi, like the older stuff, and I realized that. A lot of times this stuff was used, uh, like on the one hand, he's he's awesome, he's a great fighter and stuff like that, but there's just a lot of racist stuff in there too, right? And I think part of it is a product of the times. I think some people just didn't really know any better. You know, I don't think people went out and tried to be racist. You know, I don't think that was the intention, right? Um, yeah. But unfortunately, that's just kind of how it ended up, right? Even the character of Fu Manchu, um is just kind of this caricature of uh, that that stems from the whole yellow peril kind of era. Yes. When um, you know when Chinese immigrants first started arriving in America, they were um, they were depicted as predators. You know, like there's little you can look it up. Um, there's little drawings of Chinese people chasing white women, and the, the tagline would be like, you know, keep them away from our women and all this kind of stuff, right? Really, just kind of nasty stuff. Yeah. Um, and as time went on, it's really interesting because when when Chinese Americans first arrived in the United States, they were depicted as predators and, you know, it's kind of evil people. But as time went on, they became uh, more do- docile in their depiction. Um, they became um, emasculated in the depiction, right? So it it's, it's interesting when you look at these things because how malleable these stereotypes are. Right. All it takes is just a concerted effort by a small group of people to for, from to go from sexual predator to like emasculated and not a threat. <laughs> right. And within the span of just maybe a few decades.
0: Yeah, years. man. No. Right? I mean, would, would you say like Charlie Chan is an emasculated uh, Asian hero? I realize and again, forgive me. I know that in the films never played by an Asian, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, but again, and again from my perspective kind of a mixed bag because that's where Victor yeah. Sen Young came from and K Luke and yeah. I mean like all his kids were played by Asian actors and it was like yeah. their first opportunities to kind of show what they could do yeah i think i think Charlie Chan maybe is not emasculated
1: but he's not threatening right and i feel like that agree i feel like that is that seems even now that seems to be kind of the mode that Hollywood likes to to operate in, was that you have the, when an Asian man is at the forefront, um, they usually play these very non-threatening, non-sexual type of roles, right? Um, And I'm not gonna throw any actors on the best, but you'll see some, some actors have made a career out of that. I feel like a movie like Crazy Rich Asians pushed back on that really, really hard. Right, because all the men were really, really good looking, and yeah. they're you know, all like really, really fit guys. They're just, yeah, yeah, pretty much all of them had their shirts off throughout yeah. the movie. A lot right. of good looking women in that movie, as well. yeah. Great, just the entire <laughs> cast is just filled with good looking, beautiful people, people. Right? absolutely. Beautiful people.
0: But it was and great actors, too. I mean, my god, yeah. um, uh, Jesus, shame on me. And I love because I really love Crouching Tiger, um. Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Good. God Michelle damn Yeoh, it. She's, awesome. amazing. she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. And it's so awesome that she's still, like, incredible as she's approaching her senior years. And it's still yeah. – I mean, because even as much as I tear my hair out in Star Trek fan frustration with Discovery, I love Michelle Yeoh. I'm very happy she's there. I'm glad she's as capable as uh, Jackie Chan has been. As he approaches his middle age, so it's yeah. so awesome that she's still a badass and everything. And uh, and again, yeah. a Crazy Rich a- Asians, yeah. guess what? I could be awesome uh, just being this matriarch as well.
1: Yeah, you know. So I feel like a movie like that was really, I think it was disruptive. Um, and I'm I, with you. What yeah. I I think that's what I really like about it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, well a, romantic com- it's a romantic comedy. So it's kind of follows. It's safe. Things. Yeah. yeah it, it is safe in terms of the construction of it, but there are aspects of it that are unsafe, right? There are aspects of it that are disruptive, you know? So um, I think seeing that, and it, that's what makes me interested in seeing what Marvel would do with Shang-Chi, right? Just kind of like, yeah, okay, um, now that there is some momentum and there is and. Crazy Rich Asians prove that there's audience for for uh having Asian people at the front of the camera and having, you know, being the stars of the movie. It's very interesting to see what will happen, you know, and how they approach it. I hope they aren't safe with it. You know, I hope it's not just kind of boilerplate um action film. You know, I hope that there is kind of this uh this push to really disrupt what we've seen and and, and challenge the status quo. You know?
0: I agree. No, and and I mean that was one of the things that I was uh surprised and pleased about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. bringing in the Isaiah Bradley character from the great Marvel story truth and uh just that whole Tuskegee uh, yeah. uh component that Robert Morales added to the Captain America mythos and it's like did not see that coming really glad yeah. it's there and yeah man I see obviously I see Shang-Chi as well as a great opportunity uh and again for for pure love of the character Uh, no disrespect to Doug Munch and Gene Day and Paul Gillespie. I'm a massive fan of those guys. As you say, I think, unfortunately, it was just part of the times. I mean, like I said, man, I mean, I grew up, uh, every other week it was either Charlie Chan or it was Sherlock Holmes on Sunday, Sunday afternoons on Chicago television. And again, uh, my perspective always was, and I, and certainly as I became an adult could appreciate, God, it's a shame an, an Asian never got a chance to play Charlie Chan. But uh, but also I did kind of like that even in the 30s, there was this level of respect from the cops where it's like, Charlie, thank God you're here. We don't know what the hell's going on with this murder. We need you. And I mean, that just always seemed that kind of buddy. And it was usually usually an Irish guy. Ah, thank God, Charlie, you're here. All right. Sit down. Help us out. You know, but I, lo- and, I and I did. I mean, I, again, you know, that's that's my Ellis Island uh, grandparent kind of background where it's like. All, I mean, got no lie, man. I did not mention this, but it's the truth. My 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 father grew up above a Chinese laundry, an apartment in uh, above a Chinese laundry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, I mean, these things always come back around, right? So, yeah. hopefully, Charlie Chan gets a gets a second chance, right? I mean, maybe- you know,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm sorry, I forget porn sex last name, uh, but. Um, he did the Good Asian for, for yeah yeah a, I know course yeah yeah. What? How do I say his last name again? Forgive me. That's,
1: I'm, I'm going to butcher it too because he's Thai and I'm not so. Okay,
0: all <laughs> right. Not, not, I don't want to butcher. It. <laughs> it's like asking me to like pronounce a Lithuanian name or something <laughs> like that. It's like yeah, I know they're I know they're really close country wise, but no, yeah. I, I can't I can't do it either, man. No, but I mean, really, I love Good Asian for that reason of taking the tropes and and telling the real story instead. Yeah. So, I, I really, man, I, I think it's unmined territory from an Amer- for an American audience to, to really get into. And here, Second Street Marvel wants you to know that uh, he thinks you're awesome. He loves Sarah and the Royal Stars. He's getting ready to sit down to read and review Search for You, and he can't wait for Fox and Hair. Well, I, I know you're going to enjoy uh, Search for You, man, because, uh, again, I got the advanced look, and uh, I dig it. And, again, everybody, it is coming out next week. But let's talk about uh, Run, Love, Kill, from image, yep. that's another one of your series, and I got the cover right here. There it is. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously there's me- mechanoids in there and everything, but tell me about Run, Love, Kill. What's the story behind that? Is it Run or yeah, it is Run, right? Not not Run, yeah. but- Run, Love, Run, Love yeah. Kill, Run, Love, Kill. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, we actually didn't get a chance to to finish this um, oh. story. You know, is uh, is unfortunately one of the series, this unfinished image books. Um, sure. Hey. But, you know. but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sci-fi story about a character named Rei no Shiro. Um, and she is trapped, um, she's on the run, uh, so, excuse me. It's, it's been a while since I've <laughs> thought about this story. But no she's on mad. the run uh, from this, uh, this corporate group. Um, and she's been hiding out in the city for, for quite a few years now. Um, and they finally have tracked her down. Um, and she needs to get out of the city before the, the borders close. Um, and, you know, it just kind of follows her with, it's a big action piece. Um, it's kind of explores what her past is, her connection to them and how she was at some point, um, like a military assassin for them. Um, and yeah, but the the kicker in this is that there are some kind of like superpowers in there that like people have the ability to actually teleport. Um, and uh, that's the main mode of transportation in this world is that there are people who are hooked up to these machines that teleport people from place to place. But uh, Rain actually has the ability to do that without any type of machines. Um, so unfortunately we did uh, four issues. We weren't able to do more, um, but, you know, I still have love for the story and it's um, for the, the issues that are out there. If you could get your hands on it, um, it's, it's a gorgeous ride. You know, it's a lot of fun. So
0: well, it looks good. And, uh, yeah, I, I, would you hope to get back to it at some point or maybe not? Is it, uh, um, you know, moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think I'm just going to move forward at this point. You know, I do have love for that world and the characters, but, you know, there's there's so many stories to tell, so many worlds to explore, you know, so I think it's sure. one of those that, um, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad we did what we did, uh, but I think I'm ready to kind of tell new
0: things. I understand. Absolutely. Yeah. So Fox and Air coming up in November. And yeah. again, search search for who begins uh, next week. And, next uh, week, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, if you've got your options, I am a big fan of the Dave Johnson cover and the uh, David Mack cover. But uh, this is representing the uh, the regular cover for it as well. But yeah. uh, no top to bottom in really, really, really cool story. Anything else coming up that uh, you want to promote or is it not ready for prime time to talk about stuff?
1: Um, I just had a Star Wars manga come out. It was an adaptation of Greg Rucka's novel, um, Guardians of the Will's novel. So Great. following the the Rogue One characters, Chird and Baze. Um, so I got to do an adaptation of that, turn it into a manga form. Um, and that's already out now. Um, who publishes that? But, uh, it's published by Viz. So um, Viz Media. So you could get that at bookstores now. Um, and other than that, search for who and... Fox and hair are kind of the main things to keep your eye out for.
0: Sounds good, John. Honestly, great meeting you and appreciated uh, where our conversation went and uh, no, you're welcome back when Fox and Hair is ready to drop in November. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, man, search for who uh, next, next Wednesday, uh, September 8th from aftershock. Uh, It's uh, again, I love the first issue. I think you absolutely will be sucked in not only from the story, but uh, the back matter as well. There you go, fun talk with John Sway. I hope you'll check out Search for Who. It comes out from Aftershock next Wednesday. uh, We will be talking to uh, more uh, fun uh, people this weekend on Word Balloon Live. I'm going to do my Aya Trek watch with uh, Franco and uh, Mitch Halleck. That'll be coming up on Friday. And then on Sunday night, uh, we're doing Captain Video uh, for our next episode of Kinescope. We'll do that live on uh, Sunday evening at 9.30 Pacific. I hope you'll join us. Uh, That's going to be really cool. Captain Video, what a weird, interesting show. I mean, you hear about it, it sounds great, and then you watch it. And my God, you want to talk about crude television from 1949 in terms of production and the way they lay out the show. It's insane. And I hope you'll watch a couple episodes. They're available on YouTube. Uh, Richard Coogan, the man who played Captain Video originally, uh, has a great interview at the Archive of American Television, the Emmy people. Uh, I hope you'll watch that as well and get very informed about the Captain Video phenomenon. Ernie Borgnine even played a villain on Captain Video. Crazy stuff. I hope you'll join us. This portion of Word Balloon is brought to you by Aftershock Comics. Aftershock has some pretty cool stuff coming in the fall. First of all, in November, there's a really neat book coming up, and that's The Heathens. Uh, You're going to see a kind of great uh, group of uh, some of the most dangerous villains from history. People like Bumpy Johnson and Lucky Luciano and Sophia the Golden Hand and Billy the Kid to name a few. Uh, This is going to be a great team-up book. It's Cullen Bunn and Heath Amadillo, uh, also uh, illustrated by uh, Sammy Cavella. Also coming up in September from Aftershock, we have two new series from some of my uh, favorite writers and artists. Almost American from Ron Mars and Marco Costello. They come from Russia with Love and Secrets, a great new spy story. Almost American. And The Search for Who, co-written by... John uh, Tsue and uh, Steve Orlando John, I hope I'm saying your name right Artist uh, Rubin, a nice Asian crime story Search for Who, coming in September From Aftershock Comics Go to their website and find out more information About some of the great titles from Aftershock You'll find full story descriptions Preview pages of art And the diamond codes on how to order these books Through your local shop at AftershockComics.com This episode of Word Balloon is brought to you by AlexRossArt.com. Alex is a good friend, he's one of the preeminent comic book artists uh, in the business. Beautiful paintings that are unlike anything else, I mean paperback cover quality work. You know Alex's fantastic work on things like Marvel and DC, but also uh, great uh, film work on The Beatles and David Bowie and Monty Python and The Monkees. So much great stuff that is waiting for you in original art lithographs or prints if you go to the website alexrossart.com word balloon is also brought to you by my patrons at patreon the league of word balloon listeners thank you league for your great support backing me and uh, enjoying word balloon and showing it through your subscriptions from patreon patreon.com slash word balloon if you uh, can afford a dollar a month or something along those lines the support is greatly appreciated Thank you, as always, League of Word Balloon listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2021. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy.